Uh, so Pastor Matt, actually Pastor Matt and Tim are both gone this morning, as you can tell. Thank you, Lori, for um, helping us out with the... I lost her. Uh, well, thank you, Lori, for helping out with the worship wherever you went. Uh, really, oh, really appreciate it. Pastor Matt uh, had the opportunity to attend a Christian Writers Conference this weekend out at Camp Tillicum, and he was extremely excited to have that opportunity. And from what I heard, he's um, enjoying himself um, very much like a, a, a kid in a candy store, I guess. So um, I'm glad that he had that opportunity to go. So he called me a couple of weeks ago and asked if I would mind preaching today. And I was like, yeah, sure. So usually my first question is always, well, what do you want me to preach about? Typically, he gives me kind of free reign on what I get to preach about. But we're going through this series of uh, heroes um, from the faith. And so he said, well, is there a hero that you admire from Christian history that you would want to talk about? And so I was like, well, okay, well, yeah, I, um, what about, how about John Huss? And he's like, well, I'm actually preaching about him tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks for giving me the option. And then uh, he's like, anyone else? I was like, well, give me some time. Let me think about this. I'm not as big of a history nerd like Matt, so um, my summary of today's hero may not be as detailed as what he may provide. And so uh, last week I was upstairs doing sound and I had somebody else in mind and uh, Matt's down here preaching and all of a sudden he starts talking about him. <laughs> Matt, you're making this really hard. Come on. So I came down after, after the last week's service and said, okay, Matt, just assign me somebody who you're not going to talk about between now and, and when I have to preach. Um, so he gave me a couple of options. And so we're going to talk about one of those guys today. And then I realized that today um, is a really opportune time to talk about another one of my heroes from faith. So I'm going to talk about two heroes today. So um, that should be pretty good. Oops. Uh, so like I mentioned, for those of you that haven't been here or are visiting, uh, we've been going through this series, mostly Matt has been going through this series on heroes from the faith. So we've been looking at Christian uh, heroes, uh, people who have made their name known from doing something outstanding in Christian history, standing up for a cause or standing up for um, their faith. And it's been really cool to see some of how those stories are in line with what we read about and learn about from the Bible. And the idea is that the, um, the painted windows, the stained glass, typically in churches also tell a story. Ours don't. And so Matt's done these really fancy drawings um, as a way of kind of showing how these um, heroes, their lives also tell a story and where they came from and their, um, their life and their legacy that they have left continues to tell a story in our culture today through the, through the work of the Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit's um, work in our lives and what we do. Now, I apologize. I am not an artist like Matt. And so I did not attempt a fancy drawing of my people. Uh, that would not have gone well and likely would have just been distracting. So I chose to not do that. Uh, I have a, a PowerPoint. I can handle that. But. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with our passage today. It's a little bit smaller of a passage, and uh, it felt kind of weird to just have a small passage. But I really want us to focus on what these two verses say. And I really hope that this week, I hope if you don't have this in your Bible, um, if you don't have a mark in your Bible, you put a piece of paper in there or something. So throughout the week, you can um, think about and you can reference it and go back and read through it and see how today's um, message can 
overflow into your life throughout the week. So it's found in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is the NIV. And it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So our first hero today is William Wilberforce. Uh, so William was born in England in 1759. He was born into a, a bit of a wealthy family. Started going to school as an average, as most kids do, attending the whole grammar school. And about um, at age eight, his father died kind of drastically, and his mom didn't cope well with that. So she sent William off to go live with his aunt and uncle, who were also wealthy. The, the family was, was pretty wealthy um, in general. So he goes to live with his aunt and uncle, really enjoys it, um, starts going to a school there, has a bit of an evangelical um, uh, background, and he really starts to grow fond of evangelicalism and the Christian faith, and really starts to want to learn and grow. Well, William's grandfather and mother didn't really like that he was starting to show um, or to lose interest in the Church of England. And so he, they quickly um, brought him home, but they couldn't send him back to the school that he was attending because the headmaster there had um, become a Methodist. And we didn't, couldn't have any, any type of that uh, um, interaction that could influence him to want to worship or know anything different than the Church of England. So they put him in some other um, school with no influence, Christian influence. And as they had hoped, he started to lose interest in, in evangelicalism and Christianity. He grows up. He's kind of a, a scrawny, scrawny kid, uh, not, very, um, not very big, has bad eyesight. But he's very outgoing, very um, social, goes to school. And because his grandfather had passed away and left him a ton of money, um, a college student with a ton of money, um, with no Christian morals, um, really has a good time at college. And that's exactly what William does. He goes and he has a good time, spends a lot of time and evenings and, and um, effort into his nightlife and the social life and the gambling and the drinking and all these other things. Um, and somehow ended up getting a degree. They don't really know because he spent most of his time um, off doing fun stuff and managed to get a degree and got really was drawn to parliament and the government and um, got a job in parliament and started um, working with uh, uh, in the, the legal system there. Uh, that was probably about the age 25. About the age 27, William goes to take a tour of Europe. And during this tour of Europe, um, he gets exposed to Christianity, and he realizes that the lifestyle that he'd been living was not right, and he turned from that. Um, and he started he get, started um, creating a relationship with Jesus, started reading his Bible daily, started journaling, started um, praying. He also felt very convicted about his, his social life uh, as it relates to uh, his colleagues in the um, pol political world. It may be a surprise to you, but it's kind of hard to be a, a practicing, dedicated Christian in the political world, at least at that time. He got a lot of scrutiny. And at, at sometimes, um, 
at, at one point, just about decided, just like, I need to get out of this. This is not for me. I'm getting a lot of scrutiny for um, believing in, in the Christian faith and practicing this. And one of his colleagues um, convinced him, no, you need, to, you need to stay. This is really important, and you have the opportunity to, to shine your light, like this passage said. Um, you have the opportunity to show the people in, the, in Parliament and in the community and the city and in the country um, that there is a, a better way for us to live. So he sticks it out. About the age 27, um, becomes exposed to the slave trade. The slave trade um, is really growing at this time. And he realizes, he starts to hear stories and recognizes that the slave trade is not in line with what the Bible says. And the brutality that the slaves were being treated was, was not right. And so he teams up with a couple other people and they begin to work to get the slave trade abolished. That's quite a task. And so it takes some time for William and his colleagues, and there's lots of ups and downs. Many times they went to Parliament with different acts, and the, the, they got shot right down. And there was other victories that they had throughout the life of this. William was, uh, became really sick um, about um, 1826, uh, I think. So he was about 65 years old, um, and he had to retire from Parliament. And trust that his colleagues could continue to carry the torch. At that point, slave, the slave trade is still not abolished. Uh, so think about him. He started this when he was about 27. He's now almost 70 and still nothing. That's not very encouraging. Pretty discouraging. If I was in a job and I was asked to work on something, um, solve a huge problem, that's great. It's not going to be easy, Billy. It might take you a couple of years. So that's fine. I could probably manage it for a couple of years without seeing too much progress. But think about working on something for 40 years and still not being a whole lot closer to abolishing or reaching your task or your goal. Finally, in uh, 1833, um, they passed the Slave Trade Act, uh, which abolished slavery in the um, Great uh, in the Brit British Empire. Uh, William died three days later, so he essentially spent his whole um, adult life, his whole career, working to abolish uh, slavery, and finally, three days before he died, reached his goal. That's, that's challenging. So we look at that, we look at the life of William, and we look at this passage, and we think, um, he, he had to and, and go into work every day, day in and day out, I believe the only way that he was able to accomplish this was by letting his light shine, right? By his, his relationship with Jesus, knowing that the people around him had to be exposed to what um, he was taught and what he believed, um, they became encouraged. And eventually, more people jumped on board. More people started to subscribe to that, the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And um, through his day-to-day -day work, uh, was able to accomplish his goal. We'll come back to William. My next hero is a little bit more of a recent one, uh, Millie Stuper. So some of you um, know, had the opportunity to know Millie and got to um, uh, work with her here at River Street, uh, and some of you did not. So I'm going to get to I'm going to tell you a little bit about Millie today, and it'll it'll all kind of make sense at the end, I hope. Millie worshipped here at River Street for about 11 years. I, I found out this morning. I wasn't sure on that number because I'd only been here for four or five years, so I wasn't sure how long she was here before me. 
So for 11 years, Millie uh, worshipped here at River Street, and um, Millie didn't abolish slavery. She didn't uh, accomplish uh, something huge and, and gigantic like what all of these heroes of the faith um, have, have done. But Millie had an extremely huge impact on all the people that were worshiping here at River Street and in the community around us. My first interaction with Millie was at my small group. So when I started coming to River Street, I was here as an intern. And so I remember being back in the office and um, Matt and I were talking about um, how we were going to start the small group um, program here at River Street. And so he gave me a list of people and he asked me, I mean, he asked me, you know, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Do you know this person? And sometimes I'd be like, yeah. And sometimes I'd be like, no. Well, for, um, that's what happened with Millie. He said, do you know Millie? And I was like, no, I don't know who she is. And he's like, what? You don't know Millie? You've got to meet Millie. So the next Sunday I came to church and I met Millie. And um, we started meeting with our small group. Now with small groups at the time when they started, it was very intentional that we didn't just have a, a silo small group, right? So we didn't just have a young adult group. We didn't just have a seniors group. We didn't just have a married couples group. We tried to be very intentional with kind of mixing up the generations so that we could learn from each other, right? Um, the older generations could learn from the younger generations, and the younger generations could learn from the older generations. So it was very cool. In my small group, we had Millie, and we had a couple other uh, more senior adults, um, and then we had a few college students. And these ladies had more energy than all of us college students combined. And they were very passionate about what they did, and they were very passionate about serving, uh, serving the Lord. And that was very obvious. If you, ever had the, if you ever met her, I bet you knew that as in your first interaction with her, that she was a follower of Jesus, and that's what her life was about. Another time, I was back in the um, office talking with Matt, and Millie comes in, and she just kind of peeks her head and says, Pastor, uh, talking to Pastor Matt, I need to, we need to talk. I have an idea for a ministry, and we, we, need to, we need to get this going because it's a huge need in our community right now. And then she went on to doing whatever she was doing. And that, was, that, that particular instance was a coat drive. She had been out in the community, and she had identified that there were people in our community that didn't have warm coats. So she organized a coat drive. And we advertised it, and we went around, and we collected um, coats and winter clothing to, to give out to the people in the community around us because she identified that these, there are people out here who are cold, <laughs> and there's lots of people in here that have extra coats. We can just give them. She also uh, had a lot of um, a lot of involvement with. Uh, um, she did a, a free clothes giveaway. Or she coordinated with CYFS, who had an abundance of extra clothing, and coordinated um, a a giveaway where we set it all up here. And she had volunteers come and. People in the community with large families could come and purchase clothing at extremely low prices, um, and it really helped um, CYFS out at uh, Lucky Finds, but it, more than anything, was a huge encouragement to the people in the community around us, the families who had lots of kids and no way to buy clothes for school and uh, winter clothes and, and all these things. So she was very passionate about meeting the needs. It was very awesome for me to have her in my small group. And she was in my small group for, uh, I think, four or five years, like the whole time that I was here at River Street. Lots of people kind of came and went, uh, but, but Millie was one of those, and, and Ted was with us um, from the very beginning. We, uh, we um, all kind of stuck together. So one time in small group, um, oh, one other story. 
as small group, you know, we always talk about our weeks and kind of the things we're going through, the struggles. And I had somehow um, at one point mentioned to Millie, oh, I don't know what we're going to do on Wednesday because we uh, don't have enough room in our car to pick up the kids for youth group. So we would drive to Lafayette and we pick up the kids and we bring them and we ran out of room in our cars. And so lots of some we'd end up taking like two cars to go pick kids up. Um, but we still just didn't have enough room. And Millie was like, oh, that's I have a van like I can just go and help pick kids up. Um, she tried it out for a couple of weeks and was a huge help. Um, two weeks, she helped me out a 30 minute car ride with a, with a van load of kids. And every week um, from that time on, the kids that rode with Millie always asked me, hey, where's young Millie at? How's young Millie doing? So they just call her Young Millie. That's what her name was from that point on. Young Millie. How's young Millie? Where's young Millie? But the energy that she had and the love that she showed to those kids, they never forgot. And that's something that was very encouraging to me and encouraging to have Millie step up and let her light shine into my life. And in a time when that was that was a, a, a bit of a discouraging thing to not be able to have to have so many kids that want to come to church to come hear about the gospel. But I had no safe way to get them here. Right. And Millie identified that need like she did so many times. Um and uh, encouraged me and encouraged the kids to keep coming, and they had a great time. One night in small group, um, I don't remember what we were talking about. Millie had uh, this paper in her Bible, and she pulled it out, and she said, hey, I, I really think that this is relevant. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember what we were talking about, but she gave me this, and I ended up sticking it in my Bible, and I tend to be a bit of a, a pack rat. And um, it was really great at that time. And I don't know, I can't say that I've read it every single day since then. And it's been a huge life changer for me. But recently I came across it and I thought, wow, I can't believe I still have that. Like, and I read it and I can't help but think, but think about Millie. So everyone should have one of these in their um, bulletin. Um, it's not a biblical text. It's a poem that doesn't have an author that... Um, that Millie gave to me. And this is really what I want us to, to see, the essence that I want us to take away, which, which is in line with what we read about here in Matthew. And this, is what it's, and this is what it says, at day's end, is anybody happier because you passed his way? Does anyone remember that you spoke to him today? The day is almost over and its tolling time is through. Is there anyone to utter now a kindly word of you? Can you say tonight in parting with the day that's slipping fast that you helped a single brother of the many that you passed? Is a single heart rejoicing over what you did or said? Does the man whose hopes were fading now with courage look ahead? Did you waste the day or lose it? Was it well or sorely spent? Did you leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? As you close your eyes in slumber, do you think that God will say, you have earned one more tomorrow by the work you did today. Today is God's gift to you. What, what, what you did with it is your gift to God. So we look at that and we look at these two heroes and we look at the passage and we think, okay, so what? Both of these people for a long time. Yeah, now we recognize William for the huge accomplishments that he had. But you think about William in his life and the day-to-day ministry that he had it wasn't glamorous it wasn't uh, encouraging and uplifting and it wasn't it didn't have immediate fruit he would go to work and the people around him were discouraging and hurtful and mean to him because of the faith that he held and the the moral standards that he had 
But he went to work, and he knew that it was the right thing to do. And he knew that he had the opportunity to change the attitudes of the people around him. And maybe at some point it would become bigger, and it would change um, more people than what he had any idea, um, any understanding of, of the effect that it could have on the people around him. And then Millie, the same thing. She would wake up, and she would I know that she would think about, okay, what can I do today to serve Jesus? Whose life can I um, invest in today? Who is hurting? Who can I go and help? And she helped me multiple times with rides for, for kids. Um, just an encouraging word. <laughs> we would, small group, um, she would always show up with a card and a, and a cake for whoever's birthday it was. You know, we just kind of are like, you know, it's just another day and we, you know, we got busy, we got things to do. Not Millie. She remembered everyone's birthday and she would always show up with a cake and a card to celebrate that person. And that was huge. Although it, it, it wasn't a, a big deal to us at the time. But now looking back, at it, back, we think about, we recognize Millie's day-to-day life, the, her interactions with us, her interactions with the community, with the people around us, the constant grind is what had the biggest impact on our lives. And so that's what I want to challenge you with today. We have the biggest opportunity um, in just our day-to-day lives to shine a huge light in the community around us and the people we interact with. Not all of us are made to be um, preachers and teachers or worship leaders or youth pastors or all these different things. Sometimes we get in our mind that in order to do something great, I have to have these skills and I don't have these skills. I'm just good at this or that. But that's not true. The biggest impact we have is on our every single day walk, our everyday interactions with every single person you come in contact with. At work, uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about this periodically the last few months because I've been through some challenges at work. And I typically have, um, believe it or not, I typically have a uh, reputation for being pretty positive, pretty positive and having a pretty good attitude about things. Um, despite what's going on. And there was a time when it was it was a bad day. I don't know what it was. And I made some comment that was discouraging and just kind of like, whatever, I don't care. And somebody made the comment, oh, that's not like you, Billy. And I was just like, oh, man, one thing, one thing, that one discouraging comment that I let, let slip and that person uh, impacted that person somehow. I didn't even think that my that somebody was watching me, that somebody recognize me and the attitude that I had in my day-to-day work. And that's what I want to encourage us. We all go to work. We work our 40, 50, 60 hours. We go to school and we study for, what, what, are we, what do they tell you to study? The 40 hours or 30 hours for two hours for every hour. Gary says three hours a week. Engineers, you know, they don't really need to study. It's just a, Three hours per hour in class. It's a lot. That's the moral of the story, okay? Lots of studying, lots of interaction with our, with our colleagues and our, our, our roommates, different people. So many opportunities to let the light of Jesus, Jesus shine into their lives. And often I think we miss that opportunity. We don't think about it. But every single interaction, people are always watching. People can be effect, affected. Have, you can have the hugest impact on them just by the littlest things that you do. I want to just read this passage one more time, and, and maybe you take this, pe- this paper and you stick it in your Bible in, in Matthew, and maybe at some point throughout the week, or maybe you make it a weekly thing, you can go back and you can look at this 
um, this passage, and you can just use it as a reminder that, okay, where, how's my attitude? How's my life? Am I being encouraging to the people when I go to work? Do people see that uh, the light of Jesus shining in my life? Um, and I hope that you can answer yes to that. And let this poem encourage you. Um, it's encouraged me, and I, yeah, I overlooked it at first. So Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So the reason, one of the reasons that we, we talked about, well, yeah, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Millie today, and I had the opportunity to, is because we're dedicating the shower today um, in memory of, of the ministry that Millie had in this community and in this, in this church. Um, so I'm going to pray. We're going to have Lori come up. We're going to sing our last song. And then um, they're going to play a video from Pastor Matt because he was pretty disappointed that he couldn't be here for this day because I know Millie met quite a bit to Pastor Matt also. So he did a video for us just to talk a little bit about Millie. After the video, we can get up. And we're going to go out into the hallway, and we're going to dedicate the shower um, to Millie. You can, everyone can go out there, um, and we can, I'm sure we can, we can fit in the hallway. If you don't want to be a part of that, you're welcome to leave. This service is over. But I just pray that um, you think about Millie, and you think about uh, William, and the effect that they had in, in, in the people um, in their lives on their day-to-day -day, um, day -day routines. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and to worship and to learn and to encourage one another, Father. Each, each of us go through, go through life and we have the ups and the downs and we're encouraged and we're discouraged and um, sometimes life's easy and sometimes life's really hard. And I just ask that you would help us to never doubt that you um, are there Help us to constantly be reminded that you're with us and that you're going to help us get through the hard times. Help us to let the, our light shine, Father, to, in, the, in the lives of the people around us in the community. Help the, the ministry of the, this, this church and the mission um, to be obvious and help um, it to change lives um, in ways that, that we can't even understand. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.